This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I got a special product for my cannabis love in kings and queens. If you love a good pre-roll, a joint, you have that fresh cannabis, we want to make sure it's staying fresh. And so I'm thankful to have Integra Specialty Products here at the Low Life Podcast. Brings you plant-based solutions for top-tier cannabis storage and packaging with two-day humidity control packs. Ensure the freshness, potency, and quality of your cannabis with Boost plant-based solutions that only puts in pure water vapor into your dried-out buds. Ideal for flour, pre-roll, edibles, they offer harmonious balance of convenience and freshness. For more information, check them out at www.integraboost.com or at Integra Herbal on Instagram. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout for 15% off your next online purchase at www.integraboost.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno, welcome one and all to a brand spanking new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, white wine drinking, talky finger licking, Kloss and Pickles sucking. <laughs> I, love, I freaking love Kloss and Pickles and I just ate a whole jar this week. I'm your hot mess of a host, Lorenzo von Rumpf, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with my low lifers. I hope you're having a great week and you're feeling really good right now. If you're not in a good headspace, that's okay, boo-boo. It doesn't matter that the birds are chirping outside, the bees are buzzing, spring has sprung, Jesus Cristo has risen, the Easter Bunny came to town and he left. It doesn't matter if all that happened. You could still be feeling like complete shit right now, and that's okay. If you are feeling depressed, anxious, overwhelmed, just stressed out, don't you worry, boo-boo. Don't you fret. You have come to the right place. We're about to turn that frown upside down. we got a great show in store for you today. This one will definitely put a smile on your face, and you'll probably learn something too. Mental health-wise, let's get into it. Nobody asked. <laughs> my mental health score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a prison cell in Bangkok, where you got to piss in a bucket it's filthy. The prison guards are treating you like shit because there's a language barrier. And so you just feel completely alone and isolated. A living hell. A 10 would be a luxury oceanfront resort in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, where you have all these drink vouchers and you're feeling great and the weather's perfect and you're on cloud nine. On that scale, I'm going to rate myself a solid 8.2. I'm definitely not in a Bangkok prison, <laughs> but I... <laughs> don't feel like I'm also at a five-star resort. I'm at an Airbnb, a staycation, an affordable Airbnb. It's clean, it has good ratings. I'm enjoying myself, couple days, that sort of thing. Nothing to complain about. Is it over-the-top opulence? Absolutely not, but it's a cute, cozy Airbnb, and I got a good price, and I'm happy to be here. That's how I feel in life right now. Really nothing to complain about, and you know I do love to complain once in a while. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this mental health 8.2 rating right now. Write it to the wheels fall off because at any given time, maybe next week it could all come tumbling down. So just 
enjoy these moments where you feel good. That's what I keep telling myself, my self-talk, positive self-talk over here. I usually don't get too depressed in the spring. It's one of my favorite times to be alive. I love the weather. I love all the flowers. Easter is one of my favorite holidays. An Aries season. Oh, shout out to my Aries queens. My Aries putas out there. Love you. Happy birthday to you. Aries season is March 21st to around, I think, April 19th. Aries get a bad rap. Geminis, Aries, Scorpios, they get shit on in the astrological world. Little Zodiac shade is thrown at Aries way. And I don't know why they get shade thrown at them because I personally love my Aries kings and queens. I mean, you're in great company. If you're in Aries, we're talking Lady Gaga, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, voice of a generation, Jesse J, who's a friend of mine, and she's crazy talented, Shaka freaking Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, let me rock it, let me rock it, Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, that's all I want to do. These are all amazing artists, and they happen to be Aries. Also, Reese Witherspoon, obsessed with her. Jessica Chastain, Sarah Jessica Parker, Pharrell, so cute, love his style. And American Treasure, who doesn't age, Mr. Paul Rudd. He's an Aries, too. From my experience of hanging out with Aries people, is they're very spontaneous, super artistic, confident, passionate, fun-loving putas who have a heart of gold. So happy freaking birthday to you if you are an Aries king or queen. You are in good company. I went to a baby shower a couple days ago for one of my girlfriends, Daniela Pashkov from Dancing with the Stars. And she's married to Pasha, Pasha Pashkov. They are one of the most beautiful couples who also happens to be the sweetest, most down-to-earth, loving people. They live all of six minutes away from me. I met Daniela because I dressed her for the Emmys. Best dress. She looked incredible. We hit it off right away, and we've been friends since. So the friendship is somewhat new, but I do feel a beautiful connection with her, and I love her husband too. And so I was excited to go to their baby shower. Love hanging with them. We have a lot of mutual friends, including my little Canadian maple delight, Miss Caitlin Bristow. She was on tour with Daniela for the Dancing with the Stars tour. So I've met Daniela several times before we actually got to hang out and then become homies. But good, down-to-earth, easygoing people like Daniela and Pasha are very hard to come by. And so I'm grateful to have them as friends. And I was so excited to go to their baby shower because I had a cute outfit to go to this baby shower. I hadn't worn this outfit yet. I got these cute sweatpants, but they were like fancier sweatpants. I mean, they were only 40 bucks, but they looked really good on my ass. And I like the color of them. They were like this creamy vanilla oatmeal type color. So let me paint a picture for you. I had these vanilla oat creamy pants on a t-shirt, simple t-shirt, got it at like H&M. It was almost the same color as the pants, but a little bit different. So it didn't look like I was wearing a freaking onesie. Then I finished off the look with a sage green button-down shirt that was kind of oversized for a 90s feel. Threw on some crisp white sneakers fresh out the box. And I had some delicate gold jewelry, little earring, rings, bracelet, necklace. You know, I love to accessorize. And so I felt really good. Plus I was tan and I had worked out the day before. So my confidence level was sky high. I bought them a stroller for this baby shower. It's a co-ed baby shower, which by the way, for the record, co-ed baby showers, very underrated. They're so much more fun than just a bunch of queens getting together. Because I've been to both. I'm the token gay of the group a lot of times. And so my girlfriends have invited me to their only women allowed baby showers. And I always have a good time. Sure, it's fun. But it's a different energy, a different feel. It felt more like a party with a co-ed baby shower. Plus, we got to play games. So it was just more enjoyable having more people. And so people could bring their husbands, brothers, friends, whatever. It was just more people. The more, the merrier. Anyway, I got this stroller for them. This Cybex, German-engineered, beautiful stroller. That was my gift for them because gifts is my love language. And I was excited to give them something they would actually use on the regular. So anyway, I parked across the street. 
it was this venue that was actually pretty close to where I live, but there was no parking in the lot. And so I parked about a block down the street. There was no light. So I'm crossing the street and I have this stroller. It's out of the box, all set up with a big, beautiful bow on it. And I'm in my creamy oat milk latte. It looked like a delicious vanilla snack. And I'm walking across the street, jaywalking, because again, there's no light. And oh, how the universe will humble you. <laughs> because as I'm walking across the street, I waited for there to be no cars, obviously. So I'm walking across and there's this woman who's coming up on the other side of me. She slows down rolls down her window and yells at me. She yells and says, you fucking idiot. What the fuck is wrong with you? How dare you do that to your baby? You're a terrible parent. What the fuck? Just going off on me, losing it. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, back it up and wrap it up, sister. I don't have a baby in the stroller. And by the way, even if I did have a baby in the stroller, it's my choice if I want to put my baby in danger. It's my choice. I'm the parent of this invisible baby. <laughs> I mean, she did have a point. I get it. She was like stressed that I was jaywalking, but there was no crosswalk. But anyway, I ended up going to the party, had a great time, but I posted this on my Instagram, like fresh in the moment, made a reel, boom, just having a little rant about what had just happened because it really threw me. I was like, wait, why is this woman coming for me? That's so weird to me. <laughs> Someone to just scream. And it wasn't like, she was concerned, like, oh, is everything okay? Like, she wanted to help me in any sort of way. No, she just wanted to fucking lay into me and tell me what a terrible parent I was. Then drove off all pissed off in her Kia Sonata. And I was like, damn, like, what a weird thing that just happened. But apparently it's not that weird for that to happen because I posted my rant on Instagram Reels. Follow me at Style LVR, S-T-Y-L-E-L-V-R. And so I posted what happened to me, shared my experience, and the amount of queens who hit me up, slid into my DMs saying, Lo, this is a normal thing that happens all the time to parents. Mommy shamers are alive and well, and they are coming for us. And so I was like, damn. I didn't realize that moms had to deal with that shit all the time. From random strangers or even people in their own lives, their husband's family, their own family, their friends, colleagues, work people. People are sharing their opinions, even if not asked. And I come from the school of thought is if you want my opinion, then you'll ask for it. But other than that, like, I'm going to just shut my mouth. I got nothing to say. I don't know you sort of thing. Like, I would never go up to a stranger or scream at someone and be like, how dare you jaywalk with your baby? I would think to myself, like, that's probably a shitty parent, but I wouldn't say it out loud. I'd be like, damn, they're crossing that street with an infant and they might get hit. Yikes. But I would just keep it to myself and do the decent thing, which is talking shit and the comfort of my own mind. I don't need to say it out loud. I could think it. But also, I don't want to be a Judge Judy out there. Sometimes you don't know what someone's going through. Like me, I was crossing the street feeling all cute and confident. Didn't even have a baby in the stroller. And this woman lost it for no reason. So because of my experience, I decided that I want to do a whole episode on mommy shaming. Just in time for Mother's Day. That's going to be my very special Mother's Day released episode. And so <laughs> I'm doing the research right now. And I need your help with stories because I'm compiling some stories together. I want to take the top mommy shaming stories and I'm going to be sharing them on a podcast. Now, I know this is happening all the time because in my DMs, they've been blowing up with people sharing their experiences. And some of these stories are blowing my fucking mind. I can't believe what some of these moms have had to go through. If they're not breastfeeding their kid, they get judged for that. Like, that's a really popular one. If they didn't lose baby weight, being shamed for that, like, there's a special place in hell 
for someone who's going to shame a woman who just gave birth for not losing weight, even if it takes five years to lose weight, 10 years, even if you never lose the weight, who fucking cares? It's your body. You do you. I was a little embarrassed about how clueless I was on this particular topic, but how would I know? I'm not a parent and I'm not a mommy and I'm not a mommy shamer. So this is another world for me, but it's one that I'm very curious about and I'm doing a deep dive into it. And so if you have a mommy shaming story, or you know of someone who has been through hell and back and has a story that they want to share, I'll keep them anonymous, but please write me. Slide into my DMs on Instagram, or you could post it or message me in the Low Life Facebook group. There's a link to join the Facebook group. It's popping off with the Low Lifers, my kings and queens. I love the group. And so you could always leave it there as well. The top stories that end up making the podcast episode, I'm going to be sending a gift your way for Mother's Day. So feel free to nominate someone if you don't have the story, but you have a friend or family member that does, because then they could win a little something special for Mother's Day. And it's going to be a good gift, a great gift, actually, because you know I love to give good gifts. And that's actually my question of the day for the lowlifers. Have you been mommy shamed? Have you experienced it? Have you been daddy shamed? I want to know your story. Please let me know in the review section of Apple Podcasts if you've experienced any sort of mommy shaming within your own family, with your sisters, your friends, mother-in-law, that sort of thing. Crazy to me, but please let me know if you've experienced this because I'm doing research and I want to hear from you in the review section of Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get into today's very special episode. This is a good segue into mommy shaming because as I was reading DMs, a lot of moms are getting shamed for what they feed their children. Again, I don't give a shit what you're feeding your kids. Nobodycares.com. Do you. You want to feed your kid Jack in the Crack or give him some chicken nuggets once in a while? Like, who am I to judge? I enjoy a nugget once in a while too. But as I've gotten older, my relationship with food has changed a lot. And so this week's guest, I'm so excited to have her on because I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of her Instagram account. It's plant-based on a budget. She is a vegan queen. But here's the thing. When it comes to being vegan, I know people are like, oh, don't try and take my meat away low. People who are vegan can be a bit judgy sometimes. (laughs) They can be a bit opinionated. And I get it. They're going vegan for very specific reasons, whether it's dietary, but a lot of times it has to do with a moral, ethical, or environmental issue that they're very passionate about, and so that's when you get the vegans that are coming for you. It's kind of like people who belong to the organization PETA. I don't wear fur. I get it. I love Pam Anderson. She's the face of PETA, or was for many years, but sometimes PETA people could be really intense. I was at New York Fashion Week and had someone throw paint on me. (laughs) they thought I was wearing fur and I was like, you fucking idiot. It's faux fur. Anyway, this was years ago when faux fur wasn't really as big as it is now. But what I love about today's guest is yes, she's vegan, but she's not pushing it on everybody. I also love that she has incredible recipes, which we're going to talk about today. Some of her favorite ones, they're jam packed with flavor, but they're also really easy to do. And so for people who don't feel comfortable in the kitchen, like I love to cook, but I know a lot of people hate cooking. They're not about that life. And so if you're not comfortable in the kitchen or you're new to cooking, this will be a great episode, a good introduction course for you into the kitchen. Also, I know a lot of people are wanting to include more plants in their diet in general, even if they're just dipping their toes in the vegetarian waters, myself included. I don't eat a ton of meat now. I do love chicken. I eat beef like once in a while. I don't touch pork anymore. I'm not big on that swine life, but I genuinely just want to incorporate more vegetables into my diet. And sometimes vegetables can be boring and not flavorful. And so knowing how to spice them up and transform them into something great and flavorful and delicious is my top priority. And Tony Okamoto is the queen of that. 
She also didn't grow up with money. She grew up poor, and she's very candid about that in this episode. She doesn't come from money. She is self-made, and I love that about her. It gives her a little bit of grit and an understanding that some people are on food stamps, and not everybody. Actually, majority of people aren't going to fucking Whole Foods to go grocery shopping. Even me, who's party of one, I don't have any kids that I have to feed, which, oh my God, if you have like a family of two or three or four and you're feeding them and going to Whole Foods, it gets really expensive. Even if you're just buying like vegetables and shit, it adds up quick. So what I appreciate about Tony is she's very budget conscious and she gives tips and tricks on how to cut your grocery bill in half. There's a way to shop and get more bang for your buck. And Tony Okamoto is here to show us the ropes, get us comfortable in the kitchen, introduce us to some delicious plant-based meals, while also making sure they're flavorful and so the gag reflex doesn't kick in for the kids, where they're like, this is gross, mom. This broccoli smells like farts. <laughs> they're actually going to enjoy broccoli and Brussels sprouts and a lot of other vegetables after this episode. I'm sure of it. And you will too. This is a conversation that is jam-packed with useful information. She also shares her story, and we finish it off with a round of rapid-fire questions. This is one of those shows that will put a smile on your face. I'm excited you're here for this one. You were here for a reason, my kings and queens. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's delicious episode with Queen Tony Okamoto. Hit it! I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And so I love the fact that you used to eat like shit and you don't come from money and you definitely struggled with food and the right things to eat and how to eat on a budget and wanting to eat the right things and not having the funds to do that. And so because of your past experiences, which a lot of people, myself included, can relate to, I feel like there's something special that comes out of living off of top ramen and some shit food once in a while. Like it gives you a little bit of grit in life. A lot of character. And a lot of character. And it makes you appreciate when you do get a nice, beautiful meal in front of you or food, any food for that matter. We're really lucky to have food. And so I, I want to talk to you about nutrition, a little bit about your background. There's so much to unpack with you. But the first things first, a little bit about your backstory. Like, where are you from, Queen? Where did you get your start and how do we get here today? I have grown up in Sacramento, California. It is the top of the Central Valley. So we have an abundance of fresh food. I had two chapters of my life. I had my first chapter, which is growing up with my grandparents. My parents were teenagers when I was born. So my dad went to the Navy and I lived with my grandparents while he was deployed. So with them, they were retired. My grandpa was a Japanese gardener. It's a thing in the Central Valley. And so being, grew, being gardeners? Being a Japanese gardener in the Central Valley. So oh, that's a it's thing. Like a, that's a thing. Yes. Oh, uh, and so he grew a lot of food. And then my grandma, who is full Mexican, made the food from scratch. And so I had the early intro of eating good food. But when my dad came back, he was a 20-something-year-old, and I moved in with him when I was 11, and we lived the bachelor life together. We were eating <laughs> yeah. a lot of processed foods, mac and cheese. He was just coming out of the Navy and getting a job and doing the absolute best he could to raise his kids. I have a little brother, too. And so he was really, really hustling and trying to get us out of the neighborhood we were 
currently living in and into a better neighborhood with better schools. And so he was really busy and he didn't know how to cook. So we were eating top ramen, still one of the things that I enjoy to eat to be totally honest. (laughs) It's like a comfort food for me. But also we had hot dogs with canned chili on them, hamburger helper, things like that. And I began to feel not so great as a runner in high school. I was used to eating that way. And food to me was all about how it tasted and how it made me feel full. And so when my track coach said, hey, Tony, what are you eating that's making you feel not great? I thought that's a weird question. Why would it matter? And it turns out that's what fuels my body. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So once you had that epiphany moment when you were in high school, what grade were you in? Your sophomore, junior? I was a sophomore. And then that track and field coach, did he end up kind of showing you the ropes on how to eat healthy? Yes. He told me to cut back on the red meat and the fast food. There was a Taco Bell right across the street. And so people would go get burritos for lunch all the time at lunch break. And so I was eating some Taco Bell and I was eating a lot of that processed food at home and not a lot of vegetables and not a lot of fruits. So he suggested that I cut back on that red meat. And if I can eat it, stop eating it altogether, that would be great. And then also start filling up on some produce. And I started to do that. And my parents, oh my gosh, you could have told them that I was going to shave my head and live on Mars and be (laughs) part of a hippie commune somewhere else. I'm going to be a sex worker now. Like that's the reaction of like, what? They thought like, what did we do to deserve What did we do wrong? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It was very hard on them. And I was only not eating red meat. Okay. So that started, you were probably like 15, 16 years old. 16 years old. Yep. It was in the early 2000s. And I moved out of my family's house right at 18. I moved out in spite. My parents were really strict and conservative. And I did not enjoy that. So I moved out of my family's house and didn't have any money saved. I started working at the mall and I started nannying and doing lots of odd jobs. And around that time, I started in community college, which I didn't finish, but I did meet people at a vegetarian club and they they inspired me to try being vegan. And that was when I was 20. And so it's been 16 years now that I've been vegan. It was a very slow and gradual thing for me. It was never about perfection. It was just about progress and filling my body with as many vegetables as possible and beginning to break the generational traumas that food has caused, like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. I've had multiple amputations in my family. I've had death. I've had death by complications in a triple bypass surgery. It's been really, really awful. And so to want better and do better for myself and my people, it was really the motivating factor to continue and then to also spread the word. I love it. I mean, there's so much that I have to ask you about. Okay, so first things first, when you're growing up in this house, you said Japanese and Mexican. So that mix, did you have a lot of those foods besides the hamburger helper? Were you eating a lot of Mexican food? I grew up culturally Mexican. My grandpa was disowned by his family for marrying someone who was Mexican, Japanese at that time, 
were to marry other Japanese people. And when he didn't, he was uh, no longer a part of his family. So I didn't grow up with a lot of Japanese people or culture. However, I did grow up in a predominantly Mexican-American community. And my grandma, who helped raise me, is Mexican. And my mom, who has been part of my life in and out, was born in the United States, but moved as a child to Mexico where her family is from, and then moved back later on where I was born. So it was very, very filled with Mexican food, Mexican culture. And that's another thing that's an obstacle for a lot of people who are culturally tied to their foods. It can be a sign of affection and celebration and love. And to reject those things can be really disrespectful. So it's another layer to navigate when embracing healthier or different eating styles. Absolutely. Food is tied to affection, love, respect, a familial bond. It's such a like ceremonial, sharing a meal that someone has prepared, especially in Latin culture. I'm Mexican. Chicano grew up here in California in a very Hispanic household. And so with that, there's pork in everything. Puerco is in everything that we're eating. And I am not vegetarian. I'm not a big meat eater, so I've really cut down on the amount of meat that I eat, but I definitely don't touch pork. It's been a couple of years since I've had pork. But my mama, we call her the queen, as she sneaks pork into everything. Damn, Mexicans <laughs> love their pork. And things I didn't even know would have it. Like, I mean, even my mom made jello, and I just found out, like, my mom makes this really good, like, fruit jello. And I was like, okay, that's something I could eat. And even jello, I didn't realize, comes from like pig bones or something. Like it yeah. is, yeah, what the hell? The gelatin. the gelatin. Yeah, news to me. But she sneaks pork in a lot of her dishes or uses uh, manteca, which is lard, yep. animal fat, which makes for an incredible, delicious, flavorful meal. But it's not necessarily what I want to be eating all the time. And so I do feel like I'm going to be disrespectful. And so what I love about your cookbook with your whole brand messaging, the platform that you have and this voice that you've used to really share your message with people is that you don't have to completely turn everybody in your family. You don't have to ostracize people. It doesn't need to be a huge lifestyle change. It's baby steps. And you make it very attainable for someone who's like, wait, vegan? I A lot of people, when they think vegan, they think you have to have a lot of money, be wealthy. And most people would associate it with like a Gwyneth Paltrow-y goopy vibe. Yeah. I think with eating vegetarian and going the vegan route, let's just talk vegetarian, just mm. not eating meat. I think let's baby step it for this yeah. conversation. <laughs> so with going vegetarian, I'm down for some vegetables, but a lot of people are like, and I'm just speaking for someone who's listening to this, that's like, oh God, the food always tastes like shit. Like, I'm not a fan of the flavors or it doesn't taste as good. Like, nothing beats a f delicious real burger for some people. And I actually get that. But what I do love about your cookbook is those recipes are bomb. I think that's why your cookbook does so well and your Instagram is popping off and people are trying your recipes is because you having the background that you have. And I think having that, not shit food, but like, you know, that Taco Bell palette from back in the day, like you grew up eating like Hamburger Helper and a bunch of stuff, but all of that does have a lot of sodium, a lot of chemicals, which equal a lot of flavor. Right. And so you have a flavorful palette. And you're used to spice and flavor based on your background. So these recipes that you have are pretty damn tasty. And that's what I think my mom, who I was 
blown away that she was even interested in any of your recipes, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, like fideo, like you have, I think there was a fideo recipe. She's mm-hmm. like, Ooh, that looks really good. She says, I want to try that, which it is vegetarian. And so, and there's other ways, there's a taco, a potato taquito that you did that is bomb. There's some great recipes. And so I want to find out like in learning these, how to cook and stuff, have you always been good in the kitchen? Did you go to culinary school? Like how have you come up with these fantastic recipes that are flavorful, delicious, and actually for those who are not even down to give up meat, wouldn't give a shit if they tried these because they were so good, regardless of where you stand on the, what you like to eat. I am so glad that your mom was eyeing some of the recipes. Oh, and inspired. That's my favorite thing to hear because moms are hard to impress. So I really appreciate that. But when I started cooking, I did not have a well-stocked kitchen and I did not have a lot of money. And I would go to the library and check out books and try new recipes with my friends. We did something called Womanly Wednesday and we would have first a girl's night, but then everybody was welcome. And we would split the cost of the food and batch cook together every Wednesday for three years. Oh, wow. And it was such a wonderful opportunity to play with the food and to not follow a recipe exactly because sometimes an ingredient can cost more in different places or it's not available. So that at that time, I was experimenting with different spices or spice blends that you can get at the store. So I was making a taco recipe and it had all these different spices listed to make a taco seasoning. I'd be like, I don't want to go spend $5 per spice jar. So I'm going to go to Walmart and get a 50 cent taco packet and make this exact recipe, but with my taco packet seasoning. And so I was doing things like that, that were within my budget and it gave me more creative freedom and helped me over the long run know what goes well together and what is going to be a best. Oh, okay. So you just started kind of like improvising a bit Mm -hmm. and you're Mm self-taught. Exactly. I'm self-taught. And also it's how I write my books. I create the book with the recipe ingredients. And I try to keep those seven or less. Sometimes there are eight ingredients, but I try to keep them really small. Then I have a long list of optional ingredients or optional swaps. So if you don't have this, you can use this. If you have this, it'll taste even better. I wanted people to get really interested in changing things up and not having to follow the recipe as it is, because that's not how I cook. I also leave room in the recipe. I put extra lines for if you added whatever that you love to it, you can remember how much you added so that next time you go cook that recipe, you can add that same thing. And I know that a lot of people who use my recipes are not vegan and actually have surveyed my audience. 65% eats meat. And Wow. That's surprising. They're just looking to eat more vegetables. They want to feed their kids a little bit healthier and switch things up, get out of their normal routine and try something here and there. So I want people to be able to use these recipes, modify them in the way that works best for them and their their families and continue using them for years to come. Absolutely. So if someone's out listening to this and they're on a budget, everybody's on some sort of a budget and food costs a lot. And so I've personally been trying to cut out the Postmates Uber Eats shit. I'm on this 75 hard challenge right now. 
and which I'm about to be on. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and if you want to do like a 75 hard or 75 soft boil medium, like that's fine too. But I added one thing to my 75 hard challenge and it's giving up Uber Eats and Postmates for 75 days. Wow. Not okay. ordering any sort of delivery service for food only. I'll order Amazon stuff all the time. But the Uber Eats was killing me. Just budget wise, my accountant was going over some numbers for me for last month and they're like, what are you feeding a family of four? Wow. <laughs> it's just because it starts to add up the delivery fees and everything. When you start looking at it, it was like, oh my God, that's like $500 in a week Yes. on, on what the hell am I doing here? And so, yeah, I order for the most part, I eat pretty clean, healthy. I'm ordering like sweet greens and salads and stuff, but I could make all of that at home mm-hmm. and I could do. And if I just did a little bit of planning and time management on my end, I feel like it would give myself a chance to actually save some money and I'd be eating healthier. Like it's a win-win all across the board. And so with learning how to budget, now I'm getting a bit overwhelmed when I go grocery shopping. And so what I'd love to ask you is how the hell can we cut our grocery bill in half? Are there any tips or recommendations you could give for someone who's walking into that grocery store who hates to shop? I personally love to shop though. But for the person who hates to go grocery shopping and they're overwhelmed, what are some tips to cut that bill, that grocery bill, and have some some hacks, if you will. There are first a couple places to start mentality-wise. And one of them is channeling your inner George Okamoto. That's my dad. And he does not care about what anyone thinks about him saving money. And he used to big time embarrass me with coupons and holding the grocery line up at the store with the price check or he had an accordion folder with his organized coupons and oh. and the poor clerk would have to go check the price because he was hoping for the sale price. And I would be like, dad, please, like you're embarrassing me. And he was like, you know, Tony, these people don't pay my bills and I'm never going to see them again so they can wait at school. And I know that that can be a really tough thing. I know people who have had to use WIC and it's also a big to-do It can be embarrassing and it can feel like everybody is watching you. But to let that shame go and to know that you're doing what's best for your financial future and your family's financial future is so empowering to just switch your mind and think either I'm trying to get out of debt, I'm trying to save money, or I'm trying to go on a vacation with my partner or like whatever it is. Do what's going to be best for your future and not worry about the shame that you feel right now. That is the most liberating place to start. Once you get there, trying to not make it bigger than it is. When I see people who are just stepping into healthier eating or meal planning for the first time, they feel like they need to try all these new recipes. They need to get bento boxes and all all this stuff. It doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) When I meal plan, I think, okay, do I have stuff to throw together a burrito? Okay, do I have pasta and pasta sauce? and some frozen veggies. Okay, that's a good weeknight meal. Sort of put together these 15-minute meals that you already like, that you already know that you don't need a recipe for. That's a really good place to start. And if you're eating out all the time, try starting with two days cooking at home or four days cooking at home. And so that it's not a total lifestyle change that's so dramatic that you can't keep up with it. Starting small, thinking familiar foods, and not feeling like you have to go out and buy new everything is going to be setting you up for long-term success. Oh, I love that. So when you go into a store, okay, you want to whip up some burritos, some pasta, sure. Are you making a pretty detailed list? I 
first check what I have on hand. And that's how I put together a quick meal plan. And it takes about 15 minutes to look through my freezer, look through my pantry, my refrigerator, see what I have that's about to expire, and then build upon that. Then I go to the grocery store and I stay really disciplined. It's tough because the way the grocery store is designed is to make you buy stuff. You go Temptation in Temptation Island. Exactly. That you see these big, beautiful signs and these end caps filled with sales and new products with beautiful packaging. And you have to remember so much of what's there is paid placement. Those big sale signs, that company paid for that premium spot right when you walk in the door. It's probably not the cheapest option. Go to the aisle. Don't even look at eye level. Look all the way around. Look for the price per ounce, likely the store brand, and find the cheapest option. It's sometimes even literally the same exact product that's a name brand. They just got a good deal, the store branded, and were able to to capitalize on that. So they're profiting more. It's literally the same product. I went to a grocery store. I went to their headquarters to learn about the grocery store. And they told me, this is how we do private label. It's very interesting stuff. And it saves you money as a consumer. Yeah. Is there a big difference? Because sometimes I feel like I don't want to get like private select, the store brand. I Uh want the name brand, whether it be like sour cream, cream cheese, like that type of thing. Do you notice a difference or is that just a mental thing? It's sometimes literally the same brand. So especially at places like Trader Joe's, they find popular brands, try to broker a deal and slap their label on it because they're getting a higher profit margin doing it that way. And it's literally the same exact product that you love the name brand of. At Ralph's or Albertsons or wherever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What? Talking about money, shit gets expensive. And if you're shopping at like Whole Foods, I mean, that's a whole different tax bracket. But when you're wanting to buy, whether it be organic, and I know we should be trying to eat organic, but a part of me feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like in that space of like, if something's actually organic produce wise, it does cost more, obviously. But from what I've heard, they could be very liberal with slapping the organic sticker on it. And it's kind of all the same. I'm sure there's some sort of an upper hand in, or something better in buying organic stuff. But in your opinion, as long as we're washing our fruit and vegetables well enough, does it truly matter if it's 100% organic fruits and vegetables that we're buying? I believe that if it's going to prevent you from eating the produce because you're trying to avoid purchasing conventional foods, I would forget all of that and eat the produce. So if it's not organic and that's within your budget, eat it anyway, because that is better than foregoing a diversity of plants. It's so beneficial to you to have a diversity of plants. And when you're limiting yourself because it can't be part of this list over here or over there. There are so many different lists now. I feel like it's really harming your overall wellness and your gut health. Yeah. Is there something to their food being organic? Like, Did you touch on that when you were doing these corporate visits at the store? Like, did they talk about that at all? Like, well, this shit's, I mean, it's all kind of the same. We just, these ones are prettier. So we'll just slap an organic sticker on it. <laughs> I know a little bit and I've done some research on my own about organic. And from what I've heard, I know this is extremely controversial and I'm probably like breaking hearts over here or getting people extra riled up, but they do use pesticides still on organic food. It's just a different list of them. I have a question in regards to frozen vegetables and fruits versus just getting it raw. 
what is better for you? I've heard for like smoothies, the fruits and vegetables are frozen at their optimal prime ripe time. And so if they're flash frozen, it's better for you. But I don't know. I, I That was a TikTok. That's the thing. I watched a TikTok, a several. I went down the health food TikTok, health talk, if you will. And, and there's a bunch of videos saying like, only do frozen. If you want to have freezer vegetables, frozen is the way to go. Yes, there's fresh, but frozen, it's cheaper. They It's optimal freshness. They flash freeze it quickly. And then there was like eight videos. It was like, stay away from flash frozen fruits and vegetables. And this is why. And so there's so many different voices and everybody's an expert. And it's a bit overwhelming for me or anybody watching all these videos. And so do you have an opinion on this? What are your thoughts on frozen versus fresh? I like to do a mixture and I don't think that it's based on health. I think it's based on convenience for me. What I like about frozen produce is that it's pre-washed and it's pre-chopped. So when I'm very busy, I have the stuff that I can quickly throw in a stir fry and whip up in 15 minutes. The other thing I like about it is that it is going to hold up well in the freezer. Sometimes we have the best intentions and we decide this is the week we're going to eat healthy. And we go out and we buy fresh produce, we buy a bunch of cilantro and some spinach, and then it goes bad in like five seconds. And it's such a painful experience when you invested your hard-earned money and now you have to throw it in the garbage. So if you have found yourself <laughs> in that position too many times... I feel times, personally attacked. <laughs> if, yeah, if you found that yourself in that position too many times, that frozen produce is the better option for you so that you're not wasting your money. Yeah, there was a recipe that you did that was like three under $3 vegan recipes. Can mm. you share one of those under $3 meals? Because I was like, that's amazing. Three bucks for a meal? What are you eating here? One of my favorite meals, this one's $5 and I, I know it because I recently went to Walmart with literally $5 cash and it's eight servings. I made a black bean chili and what I like about it is that it calls for a lot of pantry staples. So it had four cans of beans and it had a can of corn, a can of tomatoes, a chili packet, like a chili seasoning packet, an onion and some garlic. And it was very flavorful, filling, very comforting for this colder weather. And it serves eight servings. So even if it's just you, you're able to do different things throughout the week. One day you can make some cornbread. That's also very affordable to make. One day you can serve it over some sweet potatoes with some maybe fresh cilantro on top or whatever. You could do some fresh onions chopped and really change it up on a daily basis so that you don't hate the chili by day seven. I feel like not giving up the food that you love, sticking to flavorful and familiar seasonings like that chili seasoning packet and creating meals that your family has heard of before is going to be really key. Like if I made my family a quinoa, kale, and chickpea bowl with some tahini dressing, they would be like, no, thank you. Do not want that. They don't know any of those ingredients. (laughs) And it's funny because that was my reality. I came into vegetarianism, never having had quinoa, never having had a butternut squash or even a sweet potato. My family only ate white rice too. So I'd never had brown rice. I'm Japanese and Mexican. That's like white rice central. And so there were a lot of things I had to get accustomed to that were new to me. And it ended up being instead of this restrictive diet that I was going into, it turned into this world of new 
types of cuisines and flavors and types of produce. And it opened my palate up so vastly. Oh, I'd love it. Well, now I'm sure that you've kind of introduced your family baby steps into trying new flavors and maybe throwing some tahini or something in there. Let me tell you one thing that is the biggest, proudest achievement of mine is that I have yeah. gotten my mom and dad to only buy soy rizo. No way. Yep. They've moved from chorizo and now they only do soy rizo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's the same price. Did you catfish them? <laughs> like, did you end up making like chorizo con huevos and then tell them, actually, fam, it's soy rizo? And they're like, what? You puta, you lied to us. Yeah. And then now they love it. Is that yeah, kind of how? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I made soy rizo con papas and. Amazing. And with, served it with some tortillas. They were all about it. And now they make it all the time. Wow. Every, every time I go over, I know that there's going to be some soy rizo con papas for me. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. It's interesting, though, when it comes to meals, I've noticed that I've been so conditioned. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. It's like, I don't think a meal is complete unless it has a protein. When I understand a well-balanced meal, you have a protein, some sort of vegetable, maybe a starch. But for me, if I'm served something and it doesn't have a protein, I'm like, it's not worth the money. I'm missing out. Like I've had to do a whole paradigm shift and understand that it's okay to not have a breast of chicken or something substantial in my mind that, that I would consider substantial, like to make a meal complete. And so I want to know your journey with that. And if you had a paradigm shift, like when that occurred for you. I went the opposite way because when I became vegetarian at first, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have cooking skills. So I ate a lot of things like pasta and some cheese on it and some tomato sauce or something like that. I was throwing together meals that were quick and lacked vegetables. That was the early on journey for me. And I realized, okay, I should probably eat some protein. <laughs> uh, so the way I cook now is I focus on plant-based proteins. There are lots of plant-based proteins that people have been thriving on for centuries. You started out this conversation in that way that there are whole indigenous communities that have relied on legumes and grains to fuel them. And meat was at a minimal because it was harder to come by. So I still rely on those examples include lentils, different types of beans. My favorite is pinto. And I love quinoa. I love split peas. There are so many different varieties. And what is the most awesome part about it all is that Meat prices right now are through the roof. They are, they are one of the highest yeah. rising costs. Eggs, and, meat, it's insane. Yes, exactly. And you can find that the prices of beans and lentils has not gone that high. So if you're seeing an increase, it's probably like 15 cents per pound, maybe 25 cents per pound. But when you're buying a pound of beans, it expands three times. So if you're buying one pound of dried beans for 150 that's on the expensive side you're getting a massive amount of food because it's going to expand three times and you can use beans in more than mexican food a lot of people think oh well what can i eat beans with but you can throw them in your pasta dishes you can throw them in a minestrone soup you can throw them in a a wrap so there's so much that you can use them for and it takes a little bit of creativity but with tiktok and instagram reels 
there's so much inspiration and so many people creating amazing things out of nothing. I want to ask, what is the most meaningful meal? Like, I feel like cooking is such a, a expression of your heart and love. Like if I'm in a bad mood and my food will taste a bit shit sometimes. If I'm not in a good place mentally, my food, it's okay. I can get by like whipping something up, but it really is an act of love. Even self-love. Cooking for one could be really fun. And so with that, what is one meal for you that is just an extension of your heart? Like you would say is the most meaningful meal for you. Right now, I do feel like it's at Sopa de Fideo and it's it's on my mind a lot because I decided to include it in my book. I made some simple modifications and I also did it in a way that my grandma did it, which is not the most common authentic way, but it's a way for busy people. So a lot of people tend to blend up Roma tomatoes and make the sauce that way. But she didn't have a lot of time for that and used a can of tomato sauce instead. And so that's the way I chose to do it. It's very comforting to me. And it transports me back to a time where I felt my grandma caring for me and she is no longer with me. So the fact that I'm able to share her embrace with my community means so much. I love it. Oh, I love Yeah. And I'm a big fan of fideo. For those of you who don't know what fideo is, it's a Hispanic dish, but could you explain what fideo is for listeners? Because it's freaking delicious. Yes. It's often found in the Hispanic section of the grocery store and they have lots of different pasta shapes and they're very affordable at Walmart. I think they're 40 cents a packet for eight ounces and there are stars and alphabets, but fideo is pretty much broken up angel hair pasta. It's very thin and short. And so that's made in a kind of like a tomatoey broth. Yes, it's it's a tomatoey broth that's a little bit thicker and it's kind of like top ramen I've learned where everybody <laughs> yeah. has their own spin on top ramen. Some people put an egg on it, some people put in some vegetables, some people put in some cream or whatever. Like everyone has their thing. And that's how I found fideo to be. My mom likes to put in a little bit of cheese in hers. Some people put in a little bit of cream. Some people put in vegetables. Some people just straight up eat the tomato soup broth with the pasta. And it is your picture, paint it how you want to. Sure. I'm putting in vegetables into my these days. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to try putting in some vegetables because I do make fideo on the regular. Here at the Low Life Podcast, we love to do a round of rapid fire questions. So without further ado, let's jump into a round of rapid fire preguntas. First one up, cottage on the beach or a cabin in the woods? I would a thousand percent take a cottage on the beach. Amen. Same. Uh, Celebrity crush for you right now. Oh my gosh. What is his name? Pedro Pascal? Pascal? Oh Oh my gosh. Poppy Chulo. Same. Oh my gosh. All right. If your belly button had a magical power when you press it, this is any power you want when you press that magical belly button, what would you make your belly button do? Right now, my my belly button would magically make all my dishes disappear. I am in the kitchen so much doing... We, we hand do our dishes. And so it takes me forever. And if I could have my belly button just take care of that for me, I'd be good. Oh, I love it. Yeah. When are you most inspired? I am most inspired when I hear from people who are 
very new to cooking and they are excited by my recipes. And I am especially inspired by that because often it's a parent Mm -hmm. and those parents are going to impact generational change. They're going to teach their children how to eat healthier and they're going to teach their children how to eat healthier. And that is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. What is your last meal on death row? Oh, this is a loaded one for you because we've got the queen of cooking here. Your last meal on death row. And you could do a full like main entree, appetizers, dessert. I want to know from start to finish, what is the meal looking like for you? My favorite types of food are Japanese and Mexican food. So I'm going to do a blended meal. I'm going to start off with maybe some sushi rolls. Then I'm going to move over to probably some tamales. Oh, yum. I have been a very big fan of soy riso tamales. It's very good. And maybe with that, I'll eat a big bowl of fresh ramen noodles because that is my comforting meal. Like when I'm having a really bad day, that's what I've been going out and eating. And I feel if I'm on death row, I might need that comfort. And then I'll probably end up with something really simple like like flan. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is a movie that is a mood changer for you? This is a movie that you've seen more than once. The type of movie that you could quote, but I'm not going to ask you to quote it, but like a mood change, a movie for you. I'm going to be extra basic and say Elf. I love Elf. Oh, it puts me in a good mood yeah. every time. It's so it's so wholesome and I like all the actors and, and so I'm going to say Elf. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Are you familiar with the top love languages? Like the five love languages? Okay, so there, just to refresh your memory, there's acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time. What is your top love language? Quality time. Quality time. Is that the best way you receive love is through quality time or gifts? Yes. I receive love through quality time. I love connecting with people on a one-on-one basis. I'm very introverted. And so being with one person and spending deep time getting to know each other. It just, it's also our most valuable asset. And so when someone gives you their time, it is love. Yeah, truly. What is the last TV show you binge watched? Jane the Virgin. Oh, Jane the Virgin. Throwback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just finished it last week. I'm actually, I'm going to take your recommendation. I'm all about trash TV. And so when you were talking about- Milf, Milf Manor. Manor. I was oh, like, okay, shit. I hear you. I hear you. I will do this. It's such trash, but it's <laughs> so good. Yeah, now you're you're in perfect timing because they just had the finale. And so you okay. get the whole season. And I don't think it's coming back for a round two. What are the top two songs on your playlist right now? I've only listened to two albums on repeat for a while. I've been listening to Bad Bunny's newest album. Oh my God. It's too good. And then I am going to go see Taylor Swift. So I'm in a Taylor Swift mode. Oh my God. Did you cash in your 401k for tickets? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) It was a treat yourself moment. It's me. When you die and come back to this world, let's say you believe in reincarnation, what animal would you choose to come back to this beautiful world as? A panda. Oh. <laughs> a giant panda. That's so sweet. Just eating they're your bamboo. So yeah, they yes. only eat their, their, their vegetarians too. They only eat their bamboo. They chill. They like live a nice life. They are fuzzy. And yeah, I'd be a, I'd be a panda. 
We always like to leave the low lifers with a little words to live by. Going into the weekend, this podcast comes out today, Thursday. And so I would love you to leave some words to live by. Any quote that you have, it could be a personal quote from your own mind or from somebody else, but anything that you tell yourself on the regular. Can I give two? Yes, please. Yeah, we love quotes here. When I'm feeling really blue, I and when I was feeling the bluest ever, I heard a very common quote, which is this too shall pass. But what I heard differently was in good times and in bad, this too shall pass. And what that did for me was help me savor those good times when they're there. I'm not guaranteed forever good times. And so when I have them, I'm trying to be really present these days. I'm trying to put my phone down, give attention to the people I care about so that when the bad times come again, I remember what I have in my life. It feels so overwhelming when darkness shadows you. But if you can pull those good times because you were really present, it helps you think of a future and what it could be when it's better. Beautifully said. Yeah, really savoring those special happy moments in life. And this is one of those moments that I had with you here. It was a joy to have you on this podcast, an honor really to talk with you. You're a new friend here. And I'm just so glad I got to talk to you because I've been wanting to have you on. And I'm just a big fan of what you're doing, your work, your message is, is actually beautiful to put out there in this world. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for all of the joy that you've brought to me and other people. I've listened to many episodes of yours now. Oh, and wow. You're so funny and <laughs> and so warm-hearted. And it just comes through so brightly through your podcast. So thank you for putting that out in the world. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you, Queen. Well, I want people to be able to stay in touch with you. And so, well, there's a couple things. They can reach you on TikTok. Instagram, I'll link your social medias. Could you share your handle and then any other information where people could find you and your amazing recipes? You can find me at Plant Based on a Budget on all social media platforms. I have a website called Plant Based on a Budget and I have a new book called Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. I'm reading it, going over recipes. I've already like bought ingredients for a couple of them in there. Spinach pancakes is on the list too, newly added. And then my mom, the queen, is like, I'm going to try her sopa de fideo recipe. And okay. so, yeah, we're going to be trying your recipes out. And thank you also. I have a, an extra copy of your book. And so I want you guys to leave a review and let me know what your biggest takeaway from this interview was, what recipe you'd like to try, and drop your Instagram handle in the review section of Apple Podcasts. And we will be picking one winner to get a signed copy of Tony's new book, Coming Your Way. And so, yeah, we'll be sending that out to our listener as a, a little gift. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm having so much fun doing this podcast. This show means everything to me, but it would be nothing without you, the listener. Thank you for tuning in every week, sharing this podcast with your friends, your family, loved ones, work people. I appreciate you doing that. It keeps this little shit show on the road. And as this podcast grows and we get sponsors, we're able to expand and do more things like have the video part of the podcast. Yes, that's going to be happening. We're going to be filming all the episodes. So you'll have the visual component if you're someone who wants to actually watch it. And eventually, if the podcast continues to do well and we don't drop in listeners, (laughs) I could be putting out two episodes a week. Then I'll be styling part-time, podcasting full-time. Holy shit, can you imagine? I can actually. That's my dream, and I hope it's going to happen sometime soon. I just have to manifest it. Put it on my little dream vision board, and it will happen. 
I've learned when it comes to podcasting, and if there's any podcast that you enjoy listening to, the best way to help a podcast, besides sharing it with your friends and family, of course, using the sponsor codes, because that helps the financial side of the podcast. If you use the sponsor codes, that impacts the show financially. But when it comes to the algorithm, the analytics, Apple Podcasts and Spotify recommending your show to new listeners, the best way to help a show out, the number one thing you can do, the small gesture that makes a very large impact is leaving that review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you to my kings and queens who have taken the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it really does make a difference. And these reviews could be anything you want them to be. Throw a little unicorn my way, some spring flowers, a tamale, throw a little dick emoji my way. (laughs) It is all welcomed and appreciated. I have listeners who will drop a fresh review every single week, and it really does help, and it doesn't go unnoticed. So again, thank you. Gracias from the bottom of my spicy heart. This week's burning question to answer in the review section of Apple Podcasts is I want to know if you've been mommy shamed or you know of somebody who's been mommy shamed. Can you share that experience? Because there are a lot of putas out here who are doing the best they can as moms and they're being judged all the time. And I hate it, but I want to hear the story. Spill some tea. Give me the chisme. Because this is a world I know nothing about and I've barely experienced it just once on my way to a baby shower, but that doesn't compare to what actual moms go through on the daily. And so please share your mommy shaming stories in the review section of Apple Podcasts. It's a safe space for you to rant and spill some tea for the lowlifers. Please make sure you put your Instagram handle somewhere in the review section because I might just be sliding into your DMs and sending you a little something something from the Low Life Gifting Suite. I'm showing my gratitude to my listeners by sending out gifts for people who actually leave reviews. And so thank you for doing that. And if you want a chance to win something cute, hyaluronic serums, mud masks, beauty products, gifts from our sponsors, gift cards, I have Target gift cards now too. If you want a chance to win something something, all you got to do is leave a review or answer this week's burning question in the review section of Apple Podcast. I want to shout out some lowlifers who took the time to leave a review. First one up, coming in hot, is at Tay Tay Gatch. I looked her up on Instagram. She's private, but her name is Taylor Frost Gatchel. Beautiful name. Taylor Frost Gatchel writes, five stars. This is the best podcast ever. Oh, sweet. This podcast is the very best. I always know I can come and listen to one of the episodes to brighten my day, even if it's a topic I'm not typically interested in. Lo has a way of making everything lighthearted, fun, and happy. I always finish each episode feeling so much better and less stressed. Also, I don't even like peeps, but it's tradition, so my mom would always get them growing up, and I bet I'll do the same once I'm a mom. (laughs) I'm manifesting a podcast tour for you. That would be amazing to meet fellow lowlifers and Lo himself. Avi, love you, Lo. Thank you for always making my day. Tay-Tay, you beautiful queen, thank you for that. And I'm absolutely manifesting the same damn thing as you because I would love to go on tour and actually meet you guys, be able to give you a hug and hang out, just shoot the shit, have margaritas and laugh our asses off. Like that's what I want to do in life. Oh, I'm putting it out into the universe. I really want that to happen. Thank you, Tay-Tay, for manifesting that one with me. Oh, and I appreciate you answering last week's question about peeps because they are so nasty. (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out how are peeps staying in business? Who the hell is buying this shit? But I think that's what it is for a lot of people. They don't taste that great, but it's tradition because my mom bought me peeps this year too. The queen was like, I got you peeps. (laughs) I was like, oh, cute. They look really cute in an Easter basket. And it is a tradition for me to get them. And they went right into the trash can. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just buying them out of tradition. Kind of like Waffle House. 
That's how I feel. Like peeps are like Waffle House to me because people really talk up the Waffle House when you go to the South. Like every time I go to Nashville, they're like, have you gone to a Waffle House? I'm like, yeah. And it's shitty. (laughs) Unpopular opinion. Waffle House kind of sucks. I think that's part of the allure of it. Or maybe it's just like a super nostalgic place. Like people go there, you know, when they're hammered, like after a dance or a party or a club or any sort of event, like that's the only place open. And so it has this nostalgic feel or like a tradition, like you always go after, you know, a late night, that's where you're going to go when you get home from the airport, boom, you got a Waffle House open. So I guess it's because it's nostalgic and for a lot of people becomes a tradition that people can forgive the fact that the food tastes like shit. (laughs) It's just really not that great at all. Like Peeps, it's cute. It is tradition and there's a bit of nostalgia attached to it. And so Yeah, include them in the Easter baskets, and we're still buying them up every major holiday, especially for Easter. All right, next review is coming in hot from at Nikki Mouse 2. Oh, that's cute, Nikki Mouse 2. I looked her up on IG, and her actual name is Nikki Datolo. Did I say that right? D-A-T-T-O-L-O. Nikki Datolo, another beautiful name. Sounds like a fancy vineyard, the Datolo Vineyards of Napa Valley. All right, Nikki Mouse 2 writes, five stars. Day one lowrider. I've been listening to the show since the beginning, and it somehow keeps getting better. Oh, thank you, Queen. I just love Lowe's voice and laugh and how open he is to all topics and stances on issues. I love the variety and happiness that he brings every week, even when his mental health score isn't as high as we'd like it to be. To answer the question of the week, yes, I'm a puta who loves peeps. Oh, no. (laughs) Shit. I just got done roasting him. Okay. She loves peeps. She writes... I will eat an entire package in one sitting easily. Judge all you want more for me. (laughs) As for Easter this year, it lands on my mom's birthday. So she chose to go to the Cubs game. Oh, fun. Definitely something different, but we already have a family party on Saturday. So our Easter Sunday was free. Thanks for being you low and keep it up. She gave me a little octopus fire emoji, a little peep emoji, a little chicken and a dick. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Nikki, I am judging you for your love of peeps. (laughs) (laughs) What the f*** are you eating over here? But you know what? I shouldn't be a Judge Judy because I eat some weird shit too. Like Takis, for example, terrible for you. There's no nutritional value in a Takis. It's manufactured in some Mexican sweatshop probably. Oh, if Takis is listening though, anyone from Takis corporate offices, I take that back and I would love for you to be a sponsor here at the Low Life Podcast because I'm such a fan of your Takis chips, but they're not good for you just like peeps aren't but I'm still going back for seconds and I'll buy them all the time. I also used to like these little plastic bottles that were filled with liquid. It looked like a little Coke bottle. They were clear plastic and they had some sort of a fruit juice. It wasn't a fruit juice. It was basically hummingbird food. It was just straight up sugar water with a little food coloring in it, but there was like a blue one, green, red, and they did have slightly different flavors, but they were in this plastic that I would chew up. (laughs) It was so nasty. And I loved them though. I think they were called Nikanips, like N-I-K-A-N-I-P-S or something like that. I forget the name of that candy, but they were really gross and I love them. And if there was a little package of Nikanips in front of me, I've been sucking them down and chewing that plastic and rotting my teeth away. <laughs> so no judgment for you, Queen, for loving those peeps. I take it back. You eat your peeps with pride, puta. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Go get yourself a grower's bunch of flowers. We love fresh flowers in the home. Pour yourself a delicious glass of wine. 
go to your local Target because they're going to be blowing out all their Easter candy. It's on sale. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of peeps in that clearance bin. So <laughs> have a peep, wash it down with a margarita, but don't forget to drink your water, puta. We, we love, love you. you, and we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>